0: Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about Facebook's ban of Donald Trump, and then we're joined by Bishop Michael Love and his wife, Dr. Karen Love, as we talk about the Judson University Community Prayer Breakfast. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Really good to have you with us here on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, yeah, a little bit rainy, a little bit cold, a little bit dreary, but it's Chicago. So what What can what we can you complain expect? about? That's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Aubrey, we got a lot to dive into, but I do feel like I always have to start by just saying, how are you doing today? How are oh, you?
1: That's so thoughtful of you, Brian. I feel like that's so pastoral of you. I'm good on this. Thursday afternoon. I'm glad it's almost Friday, which sometimes (laughs) I feel guilty about because I know like I want to be present in the moment and I want to celebrate Thursday, but really I'm ready for the weekend. It's Mother's Day. I'm going out of town next week on vacation.
0: So have we, have we told people where you're going yet? Or is this I don't fair feel like we,
1: no, I don't feel like we need to talk about that publicly. <laughs> we're just going to keep that quiet.
0: <laughs> it's going to make people jealous. Well, yes, all of us will just hold down the fort here, but we're excited for you to get away. Thank you for that. Bit, How Jason. are you
1: doing on this Thursday afternoon? I, I
0: am doing well. It's uh, like you said. uh. uh with with the weekend coming, people like to think that us pastors have all of our sermons done like weeks in advance, and we're praying through <laughs> I still have stuff, to
1: write mine for Sunday. As
0: do I. And <laughs> oh, so, good. Okay. And so the point being, as we move towards the weekend, there is like this, yes, it's the weekend. This is going to be fun. And then there's this also, there's this second lane <laughs> of impending doom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so true. I'm like looking at my calendar, like, okay, this hour I can fit it in, this hour I can fit it
0: in. Exactly.
1: Oh, Lord, help me.
0: I think I told you this once, but my best friend, uh, growing up, his dad was our pastor of our church growing up. And I was, uh, I went out to visit them in New Jersey a couple of years ago and I was talking to his dad, our old pastor, and he retired and is doing something else. And I said, what do you miss and what don't you miss? He said, the greatest thing when I retired was I finally understood what it was to have a Saturday night.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I definitely long for that.
0: You <laughs> just said that. So anyway, yeah, hopefully you're looking forward to the weekend. It is coming mother's day. If you're a dad out there and you have forgotten that it's mother's day, you're welcome that we told you, I mean, and, it's not uh, too late
1: to order something on amazon.com right now, or go to your local boutique and buy a
0: present. Yes. Or Amazon, as you said, yes. Uh, uh, it is Mother's Day coming up. All right. Big story yesterday, Aubrey. Uh, and, I just wanting to get your take on it. Uh, social media, Donald Trump, Facebook, it's like Woo! a big stew of controversy. Yeah, it is. And so the short of it is we remember that, uh, kind of around the start of the year, Twitter, Facebook, uh, they banned, they shut down President, former President Trump's, yeah. uh, Twitter account, his Facebook account, uh, and that, you know, a lot of people cheered that on. A lot mm-hmm. of people said, no, that's a bad idea. And I, I want to get your take on it. But before we do, here's a little, uh, kind of a news, uh, background of it here. Let's listen to this for a second.
2: The board upheld Facebook's decision to suspend the former president's account. However. It said it was not appropriate to do so indefinitely, not without various policies. It recommends Facebook adopt clear, necessary... And proportionate of policies, Tony O'Sullivan is in Washington uh, tonight. Well, I read the decision, thirty five pages in all, and as I they basically say, as I get it, look, you could do what you could do, but you can't do it for life, not without having better policies in place. Yeah, I mean, I think Facebook, Zuckerberg was probably really hoping that this board, as you say, of distinguished public intellectuals, would come up with just a decision. And that way Facebook could say, well, the board made the decision. It's not our problem anymore. But really what they did was they came back and said, look, you have some rules about suspending people for short periods of time and whatnot. But really, for when it comes to world leaders or somebody like Trump in this situation, you don't have a precedent. You don't have rules and, and standards in place to justify uh, keeping him banned off the platform for good. So they said you have six months, six months from today, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg has to come up with some solutions. Either they keep Trump uh, banned or they bring him back on the platform. And they also have to write some rules to say, well, if this happens again with a different world leader, uh, this is how it will play out.
0: All right, Aubrey, what do you think? What what, what this feels <laughs> slippery slopeish. This feels also right. on some level if you if you agree with Facebook, it feels like you could justify it, but there I could see both ends of this, but where do you kind of land on what is going on with Facebook and former President Trump?
1: I feel like I have to remove my personal feelings from the conversation, right? Cuz I don't like Trump on social media. Mm-hmm. I definitely think because of his false statements and his rhetoric and his us versus them you know mentality. This January 6th happened. Mm. And so I am grateful that social media made the decision they did in that moment to remove him. But here we are six months later. And I definitely think this is a big, like you said, a slippery slope. Um, can we continue to suspend him just because we disagree? I think not. I think Facebook can't keep suspending him. Or... They need to make it really clear. Like these are the expectations for everyone on Mm -hmm. Facebook. Um, But I I think the reality is if Trump comes on and he does the same things again and it leads to another, you know, uh, chaotic event, dangerous event, then Facebook has the right to pull him again. Um, But it's complicated Mm -hmm. because again, this is a world leader. It's not like me and you on Facebook. Like this is someone who has major influence. And so I think another question is even like, what are the expectations of world leaders on social
0: media? Yeah. The hard part on that is he's a former world leader, but I get what you're saying. Like former presidents have a large platform and yeah. can really yeah. uh, sway things. Uh, I, I think, um, like you said, I, I wished for the last four years, that President Trump, former President Trump would get off of Twitter, would yeah. get off of Facebook, would get. Yeah. I I never found it helpful. Uh, with that said, I think this is really bad precedent for me because uh, it feeds on one hand, it feeds into the conspiracy theories that there's big tech out there yeah, that's you're right, that is pulling all the strings and is very left leaning. Uh, I think at best, if they are going to continue banning people They have to be unbelievably clear about why they're banning or what upfront gets you banned. Right. Yeah, right that's now, right.
1: You can't just make the decision reactionary like there has right. to be policies in place. That's
0: right. Right now, it feels pretty one sided mm-hmm, uh, to say, OK, President Trump or whoever else. With that said, you would like to believe that people like the former president would use their social media influence in positive ways. Uh, and and uh, that was not the case before. But I right. don't think that especially these large platforms like like Facebook, like Twitter, like Instagram, which I know falls under Facebook. Yep. I don't think they should be in the business uh of of saying you're okay, you're not okay. Otherwise it completely changes what they are. They're no longer this carrier. They're no longer this a uh, platform for right. free speech, right? Cuz what's the whole point of free speech? Sometimes that free speech is going to be stuff you don't like to hear, yeah, yeah. you disagree with. So I think like you said Facebook in this instance, they either need to say, you know what, in order to be what we are, we got to let this stuff on, or we are going to get really diligent about our, our, uh, our, um our rules, our policies, our policies. Thank you. And this is going to affect the left as much as it affects the right. And instead, right now, it looks pretty one sided. And so uh yeah, but it is a slippery slope. It,
1: yeah, and I do I do think there's something to be said for if it causes if someone's social media is causing actual harm, like physical right. harm, right. then they're gone. I mean, that's Facebook has always done that. And Twitter has always right. done that. If they're causing harm, they're threatening people, they're threatening the the safety of the public. So that's like a no-brainer in my mind if if any person is going to get mm-hmm. on and cause paint to another person or cause riots To start like yeah they shouldn't be on social media But if if We can see uh, former President Trump get on and maybe (laughs) I just can't imagine it's going to happen That he's going to be more disciplined Than he was before but you're right This isn't about opinions like this is The space for public debate this is the Space for different opinions we have To allow if we care about freedom of speech We have to allow different Opinions and different Uh, you know, left and right. And yeah, it's complicated for sure.
0: Yeah. And I'll close it this way. I totally agree with you if they're if they're causing harm, if they're inciting harm. There's still the question of who gets to make that call, and like right now what, it feels like, harm, yeah. right? It feels like Mark Zuckerberg, or there are these other people kind of behind a curtain, just going, "You're gone. You're good. You're gone. yeah, like, yeah. Be really transparent about it if you're going to make those moral judgments as to how people can stay or not stay." Very complicated issue, uh, but if you've seen the social dilemma, you know this is a major issue that right, needs to you're be right. discussed. And uh, maybe maybe we should just blow Facebook up and be done with it. But that's a that's a conversation for another day. You so.
1: might be right about that, Brian.
0: Coming up next, we're thrilled to talk about the Judson University Community Prayer Breakfast that's happening on Monday. Monday, uh, We're going to be joined by Bishop Dr. Michael Love and also Dr. Karen Love as we talk about the Judson University Prayer Breakfast. And then we got some other things to talk to them about. We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Everybody, welcome back to the common good here on a m eleven sixty Hope for your life alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is brian fromm we 're thrilled to have you with us today and one of the things we love to do here on the common good is to highlight things going on in the Christian world in the area specifically and with that in mind, uh, we are excited for this Monday at seven thirty a m uh, the Judson University. Uh, community prayer breakfast is happening. And one of the partners for the prayer breakfast is the Love Family Christian Foundation. And with that in mind, we are thrilled to be joined by Bishop Dr. Michael Love, as well as Dr. Karen Love. Michael and Karen, thanks so much for joining us. How are you guys doing today? Oh, very well, thank you. Good to be with you. It's great to have you guys here. Hey, before we talk about the prayer breakfast and some other things, we'd love for our audience to get to know you guys a little bit better. So, Karen, let's start with you. Why don't you just introduce yourself to our
3: audience however you'd like? Okay. Thank you, Brian. I am the Program Chair for Organizational Leadership at Justin University in the Division of Professional Studies, as well as Vice Chair for the Love Family Christian Foundation. Um, I love working with children, with adults. I've been involved with prison ministries. Uh, currently, I am over the uh, Born Beautiful uh, Foundation, as well as Game Changers Academy. What I do on the Judson side is teach and advise. My favorite thing to do is to restore the hearts back to Christ. You know that we've been going through a lot in terms of racial unrest. and, And there's a lot of questions about identity, our identity in Christ right now. But God has given me the opportunity to minister to some of the students and adults as well. So our focus is restoration, revival, because we want to get back to that center? Why did God create create us for his glory and for his good? And so I'm excited about that. Academically, I have a bachelor's degree in economics. I have my uh, MBA, and that's focused in my focus is international business, and my PhD in management, focusing on leading organizational change. So it has been a journey for me, particularly being a first lady of the first <laughs> because we have other duties. I can usher and change a diaper too. So
1: <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it.
0: Well, Michael, okay. Karen's got a lot going on. Let's see what you've got, Michael. Why do, Michael, why don't
4: you introduce yourself to our audience
0: so they can get to know you also?
4: Yeah, well, I'm the, I'm the founding pastor of Trinity Baptist Community Church. We're celebrating 30 years, 30-year 30 anniversary here this okay, year. A uh, year-long celebration congratulations. Of, all of the things God has been doing. And also the founding and CEO and chair of the Love Family Christian Foundation. And we've got our headquarters with a facility that we have down in Elgin, uh, the Omasonic Temple that we're, we're renovating down there, uh, along with an outreach mm-hmm. into Rockford. So those are a couple of uh, uh, administrative heads that, that are that are and leading these two organizations, and uh, and we're in partnership with Judson University. Both Dr. Kay and I uh, chair the the uh, Judson and now Judson/ slash Fox Valley Spiritual Council, which is again a gathering of mm. leaders uh, across the Fox Valley, spiritual leaders across the Fox Valley, and faculty at Judson University as we reach out to try to have some impact on student, faculty, administration. Uh, of the university and neighborhood and in uni- neighborhoods all around us. So we're excited about some of those ventures that we're involved in.
1: That's so wonderful. So we want to hear all about the prayer breakfast that's coming up. And I'll start with you, Karen, First Lady, Dr. Love. Talk to us about your involvement in the prayer breakfast and what we can expect from it.
3: Well, I've been involved with the spiritual council for about five years. And, um, the focus this year is Restoration Revival, which we're really excited about. And basically, it stems from a conversation we had with Dr. Coombe. And I kept telling him, revival, we need a revival, we need a revival. And mm-hmm. from that... Mm-hmm conversations were just everybody was springing up with conversations focusing on that theme of revival because we believe in our hearts that the the united states needs to come back to christ so how do we do that mm. the Amen. community prayer Amen. blessing actually focuses on individuals in the community who has been the foot soldiers for those out spreading the gospel and feeding the poor and and meeting the needs of the community. And so with the prayer breakfast, Mm -hmm. it's a combination of the things Mm -hmm. that has been accomplished through the year. And so we are really, really excited about that. I'm the designated person who will open up the prayer breakfast with prayer because I love spoken words and drama and singing. So you never know how God is going to use me to do this. (laughs) But with the prayer breakfast, I am... So excited about restoration revival because we need to come together. Uh, the biggest thing that we have focused on is that you know your your skin is not your sin, and so mm. focusing on that, we come together as one body in Christ, one race, many tribes coming together to glorify God. Yes. So this year we are very Amen. very excited about the prayer breakfast to have one more time to worship and praise God together.
0: Oh, that's great. And Michael, what would you say? Help people understand what you guys mean by revival and restoration. There might be people out there going, I'm not really familiar specifically with the word revival. How would you describe that for people who are listening?
4: Yeah, we are moving, the year's been focusing more towards the restoration side of it. How do we how do we move towards reconciliation? How do we bring, you know, this one this one this Pauline concept, the biblical concept of one blood and many tribes? Uh, together mm. uh, in, in unity and communication and connecting and collaborating together for the work of the Lord, and we spent the year meeting monthly, uh, uh, addressing issues on campus and off campus in, within and outside of the church bodies to find ways that we can connect and <clears throat> communicate more about what God is doing and collaborate together. And in that, we we've formed a, some powerful bonds of fellowship and and uh, and, and sense of uh, family, and it's been. It's culminated one of the culminations, if I could take just a second here is that we yeah please we just had a just launched a concert of prayer on Justin's campus in April, and when we brought pastors and spiritual leaders together throughout all of the, the fox Valley and beyond and it was a powerful gathering on campus during that time and it was it was kind of a, a, a leading us toward the prayer breakfast, but it was kind of a nice crescendo of our gathering the school year together praying over over the campus and the communities that we all serve in. And that's just leading us into this next year when we're going to really hone in and focus in on, on reviving, on, on drawing, strengthening our spiritual walk together, of uh, uniting and intimately having a walk of faith with the Lord and coming together as family and making a difference of fulfilling the purpose, the kingdom purpose God has not only for us individually, but as a collective universal body known as the church. And how we can put our hands and feet together as family and make a difference in in, in not only our communities, but nationwide and worldwide for the Lord. With with Jetson being kind of a hub for us there, educationally.
1: That's great.
0: And we want to make sure everybody has the information. The uh, Community Prayer Breakfast is happening Monday, May the 10th from 730 a.m. until 9 a.m. There is a keynote speaker at the prayer breakfast. His name is uh, Jeff Miller. Jeff Miller is a survivor of United Airlines Flight 232. His story is inspirational. And here's the good news for you guys. Uh, the loves and Judson is that the tickets are sold out. It's amazing. It is. But if you want to be put on the waiting list, you can contact Julie at 847-628-2076. Or you can email her at julie.schmidt at judsonu.edu. That's julie.schmidt at judsonu.edu. But here's the good news. You can also watch The Prayer Breakfast live on Facebook and YouTube on Monday, uh, May 10th from 7.30 a.m. till 9 a.m. So connect with Judson on Facebook, that's Judson U, or subscribe to their YouTube channel, and you can watch live. Uh, and Michael, I wanted to ask you about the Love Family Christian Foundation. What is the Love Family Christian Foundation? What do you guys do? What are the things you guys are involved
4: in? Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, thank you so much. Um, we, we founded the foundation in, roughly in 2014, and it was to be an outgrowth of our ministry work uh, that we've been doing through the church Trinity Baptist Community Church. We wanted to be able to expand our uh, call, God called us to expand our vision and our reach, and to really serve in three areas. We call it the three C's. We wanted to make sure that our our mission is to serve Christ, to make sure we're serving the local church. In, in ways that we can help magnify their ministries and, and bring synergy among churches and then serve the community and, and outreach opportunities. And so we, we, we launched that and we uh, purchased a facility, a 50,000 square foot site down in Elgin, Illinois, the Old Masonic Temple, and we've been renovating that and putting it into use in ways that we can reach all of Chicago land, but specifically up and down the Fox Valley and into the Elgin area there. Some of the key... Ministry outreach pieces. I know Dr. Karen will talk about uh, her programs shortly, but one of the key pieces is uh, we come together annually for what we call our Leaders' Luncheon, in which we've reached out to basically 75 to 80 uh, key city reaching pastors and parachurch executive directors and ministry leaders throughout Chicagoland. And we come together over a two hour period with our focus on how do we connect get to know each other, connect, develop relationship, how do we communicate what God is doing in each of our different areas and do some benchmarking and, uh, and, and, and sharing of, of the good work God is doing, and then how do we find ways to come out of those times together on an annual basis to form smaller group collaborations so that we can uh, partner our ministry together find the areas where we might have a like passion and, uh, and, and bring some synergy to those areas of ministry. And it's really been a powerful gathering, and outreach from that, uh, the spiritual council is one of those outreach components of that. The Jetson partnerships that we're doing now is one of those outreaches from the very uh, foundation. The Love Foundation's uh, leaders mentioned that we do on an annual basis, annual basis. So it's a very key component for one of our outreach ministries, along with our international ministries. We got a big launching in Jamaica through medical ministries and educational ministries, and we got our first Jamaican student on Jetson's campus this year that we're sponsoring, and. Uh, And we're just excited about some of those types of events.
1: That's amazing. So I know that part of the Love Family Christian Foundation involves Game Changers Academy. Karen, I would love for you to tell us more about what it is, how the Academy is helping children learn about entrepreneurship.
3: Oh, absolutely. Thank you for asking. Uh, The concept of Game Changers Academy was actually stemmed out of a Sunday school class. Uh, We went without church. In March, we had to talk about converting to Zoom and how are we going to do this in terms of becoming an online platform for the church. Keep the the children involved with ministry because, you know, when everybody's at home and locked down, there's no communication. And so having a discussion with three or four children, I said, "Okay, so we've gone through our Sunday school lessons. and We understand we will meet every Sunday. What are we going to do to glorify God? And from that conversation, Game Changers Academy was born. And so Game Changers Academy was basically created to help the young children begin to think about becoming a CEO. You start as a CEO at the beginning of the program, you end as a CEO. So what does that look like? Strategy, developing models, doing the research on your project, uh, developing your two-minute pitch, sales pitch. And so each week, the, stu- the students were challenged with some degree of finance, marketing, uh, presentations, the research, and they they began to really get into that model. They really did in the development of it. So there was a progression each week. And what I found with these students, and they started from as young as age seven to age 11. <laughs> it was nine students. Wow. And what I found The peer-to-peer interaction was just amazing to me because they had to evaluate each other's presentations and their articulation and their vocals and whether the consumers would be interested in their products and if not, why. So they had to develop those questions themselves. So that was the concept. I had one student who wanted to join this group who wanted to build a model a nonprofit model. And so that was different from the other eight because they were looking to sell their products. But he had such a passion to raise funds so that he can prepare hygiene kits for the homeless in Chicago. Amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing kid. He had such a passion to do so. And so he developed his nonprofit model. We talked about grants. his how he would present himself so that he can raise funding. And so it was outside of the family scope. Because, yes, your cousins and your friends love you. Auntie and Auntie loves you because it's so cute you want to develop this model. But when you speak to the public, what are you going to present to them? So he had individualized training. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful model he built. And so at the end, when they all had to give their presentations, it was really interesting because as he was articulating his vision, he began to cry. He became very emotional about helping the homeless in Chicago and his family experiences. So, of course, I had these other MBA I, I said, little MBAs, MBAs are the making. They were looking at that. a strategy. Are you crying to raise more funding? So that was amazing I was a peer-to-peer interaction that took place with them. And so this year, with that same group, we're going to talk about financial literacy. And so I am very, very excited about that. That's awesome.
0: What a great organization there. Hey, uh, Michael, with like the last two minutes we have, I did want to ask you, you guys are doing so many things and I, you, both of you have so many things going on. You're also the executive chaplain for the McHenry County Sheriff's Department and the McHenry County Correctional Facility. What do you do in that role and why is that something that you've taken on?
4: Oh, goodness. Over the last 20 years since I've been in that role, we've, we really put together uh, volunteers. Uh, from across the uh, county from multiple churches and with ideas of how do we mentor, how do we minister to these inmates? Uh, and many of them are international in, inmates also at the McKinley County Correctional Center. How do we provide Bible study for them? How do we provide a worship service for him? How do we, how do we deal with men uh, men on Malachi dad so that they can reconnect with their families, train them for those components? How do we counsel them during the midweek, uh, and, and how do we just help them to transition back into society and, be, uh, and to be successful in their transition back into their homes and to the workplaces, you know, dealing with whatever issues they might have. And among all of those ministries, we've got, uh, we're blessed to have a great relationship with the, with the Sheriff's Department there and across the different uh, church uh, bodies and volunteers to come together, men and women, to reach those inmates. And it's, a, it's, a, it's just such a rewarding ministry. And anyone who has a passion for reaching out make a difference uh, to that, to that, that group of individuals, uh, you know, the doors are open as long as your hearts are open uh, to share the Christ with these individuals. So it's been, it's a labor of love. It truly is.
0: Well, thank you for sharing about that again, uh, Bishop Dr. Michael Love and Dr. Karen Love. We brought them on primarily. They have so many things to talk about. We are grateful for all that you guys are doing, but we brought them on primarily to talk about the prayer breakfast, the Judson University Community Prayer Breakfast that is happening on Monday, May 10th from 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. Uh, the Love Family Christian Foundation is partner for this prayer breakfast. The keynote speaker at the prayer breakfast will be Jeff Miller, a survivor of United Airlines Flight 232. And you can hear his remarkable and life-changing experience. Now, tickets are sold out, but you could be put on a waiting list. We want you to contact Julie at 847-628-2076. Or you can email her at julie.schmidt at judsonu.edu. But if you can't get a ticket, you can still attend virtually through Facebook and YouTube. Just go to the Judson University Facebook page or subscribe to their YouTube channel, and you could be a part of the prayer breakfast over Facebook or YouTube this Monday from 7.30 a.m. until 9 a.m. Michael and Karen, this was absolutely our pleasure. Thanks Mm -hmm. for all that you do, and thanks for taking time to join us today. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless Bless you guys as well. It's our pleasure. And you're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, we are glad to be joined by Bishop Michael Love and also Dr. Karen Love to talk about the Judson Prayer Breakfast and all sorts of other things. Um, Aubrey, I'm sure you've seen this in the news. Bill and Melinda Gates announced Aww. recently uh, that they are ending their 27-year marriage. Before we so jump sad. into it, yeah, let's listen to that announcement.
5: Late today, the stunning news, the couple who'd been married 27 years announcing in identical posts on Twitter, after a great deal of thought and work on our relationship, we've made the decision to end our marriage. The two say they will continue their work together at the foundation, but, quote, we no longer believe we can grow together as a couple in this next phase of our lives.
0: All right. So this has been flying around the Internet. Uh, everything bad about the Internet as now there's been all sorts of memes about the Gates' divorce.
5: Oh, come on. Uh,
0: yeah. Maybe maybe we can we can pump the brakes on making fun of divorces.
1: <laughs> but yeah, let's just let's just like put put an end to that. Period. Yeah. But
0: but when you first heard it, I, I don't know. It's a weird question. But surprise, we don't obviously know what their marriage is like, but right. they've got a foundation. You hear about them all the time, kind of linked together. What was just your initial reaction? when you heard them getting divorced.
1: You know, and again, it's always hard because you don't know behind the scenes what's Mm -hmm. going on, if there's been betrayal, etc. But just reading it from an outsider's perspective, I I just hear after 27 years of marriage, they're calling it quits. My heart breaks especially i i feel this way a lot when i hear these announcements from public figures that are getting divorced they're committed to being best friends they're committed to being on their mission together in this case the foundation they're going to keep running it together they're committed to like being respectful to one another but they just can't make it work and i'm like okay if those aren't if those things don't make a marriage <laughs> yes. like what do you think marriage is you're on mission you're best friends you're respectful like keep Going. Yes.
0: Uh, yes. And there's the, there's the important question, uh, that I want to get to. First of all, let me mention, I think it was at the New York Times. No, maybe Washington Post. One of those publications, uh, uh wrote an op-ed after the announcement came out. That said, if Bill and Melinda Gates and the implication was with all of their money and all of the stuff they have, they said, if Bill and Melinda Gates can't stay married, then who can? And man, I read that and was like, what a weird view of marriage, right? Right. Money doesn't buy happiness, right? We we say that all the time.
1: Yes. Uh, If anything, money may cause some of the problems.
0: Absolutely. But uh, then I was reading. I was just doing some reading about their divorce and their marriage and NBC News. I came upon this fascinating uh, opinion piece written by Susan Brown. Uh, and I didn't know this, Aubrey. I'd be curious if you did. They said, uh, after 27 years of marriage, the Gates are calling it quits. Their high-profile split is emblematic of divorce trends in the United States as a whole. Listen to this. Increasingly, married couples who break up are in the second half of life. Oh, Divorce among middle-aged and older adults is so popular now that researchers have a term for it. They call it Gray divorce that people over the age of 50 that divorces among people over the age of 50 have doubled between 1990 and 2010, and that nowadays more than one in four people getting into getting divorced in the United States are over. The age of 50. When I read that, that I was, yeah, I was fascinated by it. Here's one of the reasons. Think about the number of times I at least have heard if your marriage can just get to five years, 10 years, whatever it's going to be, then you're going to make it. Like the hardest part is this stage or whatever. And now they're saying increasingly, especially here in the United States, that the fastest growing, that the most growing uh divorce rates are happening in the people in their 50s. Uh mm. you know people like the Gateses who've been married 27 years. Hey, does that surprise you? And let's talk about why that might be the case. Why do we think that's happening?
1: Yeah, I mean, it does surprise me one cuz again, I with the Gateses like I said, I feel like if you make it that far, right. like keep going, don't give up. But I also think there's probably a few factors. One a lot of folks, I think, wait till their kids are grown and out of the house, or at least almost grown out of the mm-hmm. house. Like they don't want to get divorced when their kids are little, so they're willing to provide a like stable home until their kids are older. So that's that may be part of it. Two, both uh, partners probably have more financial freedom, so mm. one doesn't necessarily feel like stuck. And then I do think, I mean. You know, I'm a little younger than 50 still, but I just wonder if sort of the midlife crisis thing sneaks That's in good. and you think I only have a few more years. Do I want to spend it with this person? And if you don't have a commitment to Jesus and a commitment to self-sacrifice and a commitment to love uh, your spouse above all, all else, then I could see how easily you'd be like, Hey, I'm out. I don't want to spend the rest of my life in this marriage where I feel stuck. Yeah. In- yeah. But I, oh, I would just call, if I could like call people, I would call them to do the work get in marriage counseling, go on a retreat, do what it takes because your investment in your marriage is so good and worthwhile.
0: Yeah, they use this phrase here that that is really sad uh, called an empty shell marriage. Mm. Uh, and, and I think this also gets at the heart of it. I think what happens is uh, think about the age, the stage of life you and I are in and are coming out of and now also in the midst with kids and all activities. Yeah. I think if you're not careful, what can happen is you go 15, 20, 25 years yep. of not really spending any time in your marriage going, nope, it's all about the kids. It's right. all about all the activities. It's all about, the-. And then your kids leave the house and you're like, who are you? Who are <laughs> like, you? I don't know. Uh, and And they say, in this article, they say, in the past, many couples would remain in, quote, empty shell marriages because separations were stigmatized or couples didn't believe in divorce. And they said societally, that's not the case anymore, Right, right. that people would get out now. Uh, also, uh, you mentioned finances. It says women, especially now, are less economically dependent on their husbands yeah. and thus can afford to get a divorce. And I would totally agree with you. If you want to avoid an empty shell marriage and a late in life divorce, I, the answer is what are the seeds that you're planting? Uh, before you get there.
1: Right. Uh, exactly. What are you
0: doing when you're in your thirties? What are you doing like you and I in our mid-40s right now? Well, wow, are we yeah. mid-40s? Young forties? No, oh, uh, you might close. be <laughs> mid forties. I am I am early
1: young. I mean, I'm basically thirty when I'm basically,
0: forty. Yeah. <laughs> if we do your age backwards, it's thirty-four, so we're good, I,
1: right? I'm basically a millennial. Basically
0: a millennial. <laughs> the point being, whether you're midlife like me or young yeah. like Aubrey, what you do is you've got got to fight for your marriage you even when you are in the stage where your kids are like taking up all of your time. You you're up to. late. You're not yep. getting the sleep. If you don't you're going to end up in an empty shell marriage and it yep. may be too late at that point. Yep. I would caution if right now you think you're in an empty shell marriage it's not too late. Go to That's counseling. Right. That's talk right. to somebody, fight for it. So, uh we wanted to have that conversation. I feel like we're talking a lot about marriage these days because yes, I think it's kind of it under attack, up. right? It's uh yeah. it, it really is. We see these trends around us and uh we we want to do our part to see them stop. Well, uh coming up next hour Uh, We are going to talk about something that I found really discouraging that came out of the mouth of Mitch McConnell. We're going to talk about that next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Coming up this hour, what was so disturbing about what Mitch McConnell said about his focus right now? And then we're joined by Matt Sorger, author of God's Unstoppable Breakthrough. You're listening to The Common Good. everybody welcome back to the common good here on am 1160 hope for your life alongside aubrey sampson my name is brian from really glad to have you with us today well aubrey uh you know i i don't do tend to watch a lot of like uh, cable news and political talk but i did yeah. see this the other day and it, it really disturbed me i want you to hear some audio from mitch mcconnell and then also the response of it uh from president biden let's listen to that
4: 100 of my focus is on
0: stopping this new administration
3: he said that uh, in our last administration barack he was going to stop everything and i was able to get a lot done with him
0: all right so uh mitch mcconnell the senate minority leader he kind of you know he's kind of the gatekeeper for all things republican in the senate he said 100% 100% of his focus is on stopping this new administration. Uh, and, and I heard that and I get it. It's how politics is played. Right. Uh, the Democrats probably could have said that exact same thing when Donald Trump was in True. office. Good point. Good point. But, Aubrey, I, what I've got, what I want to say, and I'd love to hear your response to this, is like in those eight to nine words right there, mm-hmm. it summarizes everything that bothers me about our political climate. Uh, and, and other parts of our culture, but especially our political climate in America. Those eight words right there that Mitch McConnell said, yes. that is it. That is the definition of what bothers me about our politics.
1: I guess I just wish for once you'd hear somebody say, you know what? I'm going to focus 100% of my attention on working with this new administration to build sure. bridges and bring unity back to the divided American people. We're not going to do it perfectly. We're going to disagree with each other. But we know that, you know, America matters. The people of America matter more mm-hmm. than X, Y, Z. I just long for that type of leadership. And it, it's just frustrating. Like, do you not see how divided we We already are. And I'm sure people heard that and they cheered like, yes, we're excited to stop this administration. Right. But I think that's completely the wrong attitude to have, especially right now in 2021. We have been through like war as a nation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it has been so difficult this past year because of racial tensions, because of the pandemic, because of all kinds of things. And I I feel like it is time for a new version of leadership that says, you know what? We're going to build bridges rather than build these walls. I'm I'm over it. I'll be honest. I'm yeah, over
0: it. It's so disturbing. And for those of you who were quickly like, well, you know, it's both. It is. there. Bull- this is the problem. Yes. The Democrats Bulls do this. Sides. The Republicans do yes. this. And it's all about here's my view on it. It feels all about scoring points. Right. Mm. It feels all about going. I can get on TV and make this point and it's going to get my base cheering as opposed to, okay, even if you think President Biden is a socialist, even if you think he has aligned himself with Bernie Sanders, there are still areas where we can go, Okay, let's work together on this. Let's try to push with this. And the same goes for President Biden. Where can I work with the Republicans to go here? Uh, and, yes. and I don't know. I, maybe I was just a political novice back in the day, but it feels like this kind of uh, how this works really ramped up under uh, the Obama administration, under the Trump administration. Now the Biden, and, and it worries me because it feels like this is just who we are now. And you start to wonder how can we ever get anything done. And Aubrey, what I would say is this feels emblematic of what we've talked about before when it comes to our politics, and mm-hmm. it is. Uh, not that I disagree with you, but we're both Americans and we're going to work together for the best of America. It's you're my enemy. And I must defeat you. And all that matters is defeating you in the next election. All that matters is defeating you. And I don't know how long our country can handle that. Maybe people are like, hey, that's how it's always been. I don't know. But the vitriol and the obstructionist and the we're not going to get anything done. How do you function over time that way? I have no idea. But it does worry me for the sake of the country. And man, this is every this is just uh, it's just everything that bothers me about politicians. Yeah. And
1: I do feel like it like fuels the, the fire of people who are already kind of there. But then people who are like so sick of it, they're just going to withdraw from politics completely, maybe not even vote in future elections because they're so over it. And that's not what we want either. Like, no, we we need everyone engaged in this kind of thing is just Ah, it's so so divisive from leaders. I I just I don't know. I I I'm idealistic, right? Like wouldn't it be great to have just like a godly, humble leader saying, "You know what? I'm here to I'm here to serve the nation. I'm here to humble myself and put my my rights down so that other people can flourish." I don't know. I guess I'm too idealistic, but <laughs> I, I'm with you, Brian. I'm just I, I I'm over it. I'm roll over it.
0: I tend to be very moderate in my uh, my politics. And yeah. I, I, that's why this bothers me so much. It's like, and that's why we just, we're not
1: politicians, though, right? <laughs> I don't know. We would I not don't succeed. <laughs> Senator,
0: Senator Manchin said, I don't know what McConnell's reasoning is for that comment, but I can assure you there are Republicans working with Democrats to make something okay. happen and something work. I hope he's right about that. Yeah, hey, I with the last so minute we have left, I do fear also that this isn't just a political thing, but this is that kind of seeps through all of our culture, including mm-hmm. our church. What is, How would you describe the role of the church in your opinion as we hear stuff like that, as we are as divided as we always talk about? What is what are we supposed to do as the church?
1: Yeah, I mean, I keep reading through the New Testament, specifically Paul's words to the church, and it just seems like the unity of the church matters so much to the heart of God and that we're supposed to nurture really a culture of dying to oneself, Mm -hmm. putting the other first, and being united in love so that we represent Jesus to the world. And we've talked about this on the show. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean uniformity, right? right? That doesn't mean we're all the same. We all believe the same. We all vote the same. We all read the same things. We all think the same things. But I do think it means a willingness to lay down whatever your perspective, and I mean that on both sides, yep. a willingness to lay down whatever your perspective is to engage in loving, respectful community with the body of Christ, and with the neighborhood that you serve in.
0: Yep, yep, absolutely. So good to vent a little bit there. It's yeah. <laughs> just, for me, it's everything that's wrong with our, with yeah, our culture, I'm with our with political you. culture, and hopefully something brings about change. Well, coming up next, Matt Sorger is going to join us. He is the author of a, what looks like a fascinating new book called God's Unstoppable Breakthrough. When your mountain doesn't move, go over it. We're going to talk it. to Matt next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Common Good. Here on AM eleven sixty Hope for your life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Thrilled to have you joining us today. And we are real excited to be joined on the phone by the author of a new book called God's Unstoppable Breakthrough. When your mountain doesn't move, go over it. That author's name is Matt Sorger. Matt, how are you today? Hey Brian, I'm I'm doing fantastic. It's great to be on here with you
6: and and Aubrey and uh, it's going to be a great, a great time together.
0: Yeah, we're thrilled to have you on, Matt. Hey, before we jump into the book uh, and all the other things we want to talk to you about, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience so they can get to know you a little bit? Yeah, sure.
6: Um, well, me and my wife, Stephanie, and my two boys, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, uh, Braden and Noah. We live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, so I've been in ministry for, gosh, over 21 years mm. Um, I pastored for five years. Uh, Then I've been traveling full time in in a travel itinerant ministry for over 17 years. Wow. Um, Every week traveling somewhere. And then um, we have a rescue ministry called Rescue One, where we are located in four different countries and we rescue trafficked children. So I'm a full time preacher, teacher. Uh, We have our rescue ministry. And uh, now you know, with the last year with COVID and everything and and a lot of our churches not meeting um, we launched an online e-church. So we have a growing e-church family now from all around the world and that's been really cool. Wow. so yeah, so that's a, a bit about us and you know we love we love the Holy Spirit, we love um, everything Jesus is doing today with with healing people and setting people free and really awesome. bringing that breakthrough and transformation in people's lives. And that's what our ministry is all about, bringing people into an encounter with the word and with the power of the Holy Spirit um, to see them uh, really become the person God designed them to be. Mm,
1: That's so good. Matt, we want to talk about Rescue One. We want to talk your ministry, but we really want to talk about this book at first, God's Unstoppable Breakthrough. I love the subtitle, When Your Mountain Doesn't Move. Go over it. So good. So, what inspired you to write the book? Did you have a personal breakthrough, or did you see God doing some breakthroughs? Talk to us about that.
6: Yeah. Well. So. um, That's that's a great question. So, for me and my life personally, and our family, and also in our ministry, you know, we've seen God bring a lot of dramatic breakthroughs and change. We we've seen instant miracles. We've seen healings we've seen people get really set free from different struggles in their life Uh, I know for for us as a family I was 12 years old when my mom became really sick and Mm. she was sick for about two years uh she the doctors diagnosed her with with ms and a blood disorder Mm. and some other things and but she was on tons of medicine and you know god can use doctors but in her case She was just getting worse and worse and nothing was helping until she found herself in a healing service where the minister was praying for the sick. And I mean, before he even could pray for her, the power of the Holy Spirit came over her and she had such a dramatic encounter with God where she was instantly healed and saved. Amen. Amen. And that week my whole family got saved. So we've, and I share about that in our book. So, you know, we have. We've experienced and we've seen these types of instant breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. But now, what I've covered in the book is you know, because sometimes people, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick, the Bible says. And sometimes yeah. people are praying, they're believing God, but yet they're not seeing that type of instant breakthrough where it's just done, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, what do they do? You know, if their healing's not manifesting or if that change they wanna see in their marriage or in their family is not happening, you know, what do they do? So this book covers not only, yes, believe God for those instant encounters, but if that is not happening, then how do you see breakthrough happen yep. in the areas yeah. of your life that, you know, that seem more stubborn in, in change?
0: Yeah. And, okay. and what. I'd love to jump in there, Matt. What advice would you give to people who do feel stuck, right? They were praying for some instant thing or they were praying for healing and they're still, I think you use the phrase, on the rough side of a mountain. Like, what, what advice would you give to people who feel stuck like that? Yeah,
6: and, and you know, as when I was writing this book, I was really praying over this and saying, okay, God, you know, what are the keys uh, that people can easily apply to their life to see that change. And I think one of the things is really in your moment, because sometimes you're in the in-between, I call it the in-between place. You know, Mm. you have the promise from God uh, and you're still on the journey to seeing it fulfilled, whether it's an aspect of your calling or destiny or some sort of promise from the Bible uh, fulfilled in your life. And you're in the in-between place. And I think of Joseph, one of the themes that we carry through the book is the person of Joseph in the Old Testament, where he gets his vision from God. And, you know, God says, you know, in a dream, you know, basically you're going to be elevated. You're going to be lifted up. And then right after that dream, you know what happens. (laughs) And everything goes in the exact opposite direction. He gets, you know, betrayed by his brothers. He gets thrown into a pit. Then he's falsely accused. Then he goes, you know, from, you know, the frying pan into the fire, so to speak. And then he's like thrown in the dungeon. And it's like, wait a second. All of the natural circumstances in his life are going in the opposite direction of mm-hmm. what the promise was, but you know there's something uh, amazing in this journey where uh, it the Bible depicts Joseph and in the end of uh, his Joseph's father's life the father basically prophesies over him and and de- declares over him he says Joseph you're fruitful. Bow or fruitful tree uh, planted by a well and your branches run over the wall. Hmm. And it was like, you know, we see that in Joseph's life, tons of walls around his life, the walls of mistreatment, the walls of betrayal, the walls of hurt, the walls of just circumstances outside of his control that he couldn't, you know, remove those walls. Those walls were there that he was surrounded by those walls. But the prophetic picture of his life is that even though those walls didn't move, it still did not stop the blessing of God and the purpose of God and the plan of God for his life. So there he was in that dungeon, but it was like spiritually he was planted by a well, Mm. which is God's presence, God's word, God's promise to him. And it says that he was like a tree that grew up and over the wall, his branches rather than, you know, like the with the children of Israel where the walls came down, you know, with the city of Jericho, yeah. you know, and sometimes it's like that instant, the walls come down and it's done. But in Joseph's situation, it wasn't like that. What God did was he caused him to grow up and over the wall. So if you see walls in your life, you see a sickness, you see a, a relationship situation or you see mistreatment happening in your life and it doesn't look like it's moving, it doesn't look like it's changing. I want to encourage the folks that are listening today, be like Joseph, get planted by the well of God's presence, the well of his word, and let God grow you. So even Mm. if your wall doesn't change, you can change. And as you change, you end up going over what you thought was a limitation or what you perceive to be a limitation in your life. Because what I've discovered is the things that we perceive to be limits in our life, Uh, we're looking at it from a wrong perspective. We're looking at it from a very earthly perspective where God sees things from a a heavenly perspective. So um, the things that we think are limiting us, they're really not as powerful as we think they are. Hmm. And so one day Joseph, you know, there he is now elevated and the promise of God came to pass and he's looking back and he's like, Oh yeah, there were the walls back there. There were my Mm -hmm. brothers who mistreated me, you know, there was the dungeon over there, but I grew up, and out, and over. Yeah. And and I think sometimes that's how God brings the breakthrough in our lives.
0: Absolutely. That other, that's a great word. That voice you yeah. know is Matt Sorger. Uh, he is the author of a new book called God's Unstoppable Breakthrough. When your mountain doesn't move, go over it. Matt, what you're talking about is so helpful, this Mm -hmm. idea of a breakthrough. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about the people out there who are struggling with guilt, with shame, with regret in their life. Uh, Do you believe that God brings breakthrough from the regrets of our lifetime? How can people kind of go at that and how does God bring restoration to them? Yeah, Brian, that's a great question. You know, there's a lot of folks,
6: even Christians, you know, maybe they got saved later in life and, and they say, Oh, I wish I had gotten saved sooner. I wouldn't have wasted or lost those years or, or maybe they have gone through something, whether, whether outside of their control or decisions they made that caused some loss in their life or, or there, there's been, you know, loss of something. Um, what I've discovered is that God is a restoring God. That's and right. as he breaks through in our life and in our situations, um, I think of the book of Joel, where, where Joel, the prophet, he gives us uh, an amazing word. And he says um, that well where God speaks to the children of Israel. And he says, I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, I mean, this is, The extravagant mercy of God because uh, the children of Israel, you know, they had made bad choices. They actually sinned. And as a result, like this plague of locusts came through and they lost everything. And God said, if you will just turn your heart towards me, I will restore everything that was lost. And, and that was lost as a result of even their own bad choices. So, Mm. um, I've discovered that. Even when we make mistakes and we suffer the consequences of those mistakes, when we turn our heart to God, He is able to go through every area of our life where there was a loss or where there was, um, you know, something where it's like the enemy came in to try to steal, kill, and destroy. And God's able to restore those years back. And right. something, you know, another scripture in Proverbs that God showed me was, um When the thief is discovered, he has to restore sevenfold. And I think this is an amazing tool and and a key for people listening today. When you discover that the enemy has tried to rob something from you and and he's been working in your life somehow, when you discover that the thief has has been operating, you have authority in Jesus Christ to declare a sevenfold restoration back to your life, Hmm. which means this, when God restores your health when god restores your joy when god restores your peace when he restores your finances whatever area of restoration it is in your life god says i will restore sevenfold even what you had before so Amen. it's like it's like in the redemptive plan of god he'll make you even seven times better than his original design which mm-hmm. which i think is an amazing aspect of God's restoration Mm -hmm. in our lives. Mm -hmm.
1: Matt, that's such a good word. I want to transition a little bit and talk to you about your work with Rescue Ones, something you and Stephanie do together. Can you tell us your mission and and what that is all about?
6: Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, for years I traveled throughout India uh, and we did miracle festivals and pastors conferences all around India. And it was on one of those trips that I saw the street children and Mm -hmm. I saw how they were being used by, by just evil people to do really evil things. And my heart broke. And, and I remember saying, God, how can I come here to this nation and, you know, do these evangelistic outreaches and not help the children because the children are so important to you, Jesus. And I just felt the heart of God in it. So we started then and, you know, we bought land and we built a home that housed 50, Children and and I thought, okay, you know, this is our ministry here. But then the Lord said, No, there's more for you. So we just kept building and growing. Now we're in four different nations. We're in India, Philippines, Mexico, and Thailand. Wow. And we've got over two hundred two hundred and fifty children now rescued out of mm, severe trafficking awesome. situations and so we're like a full care program for them we give them safe housing we give them food education clothing medical care just everything and our our goal is to see children that were so devastated I'm telling you some of these kids I mean just devastated in in what they were put into at very young ages. Mm. And now we look at them and, you know, when they first come into our homes, they're not, they don't know God, they don't know Jesus and they're broken and they're scared. And, and our Christian moms in the homes, they pray with them and they read the Bible with them. And then of course, everything else, the safe, loving environment. And you see God begin to heal their hearts and God begin to restore them. And now, you know, we had an outside ministry come through our homes recently. And they said, we have never seen homes like this, that are so clean, where the children are so well cared for and, mm. and look so good. And I was just so happy with that assessment of the homes. But it's beautiful now to see the the smiles and the laughter and, you know, just the transformation God is doing in their lives. So the focus of Rescue One is not only to rescue the kids, but then also to, to care for them and see them restored all the way up through college. And, you know, that's our commitment with them. We carry them all the way up through college and let them get established in their life and uh, and really experience the love
0: of Jesus. That's yeah, awesome. Again, you can find out more at rescueonenow.com. Matt, it's such an important topic that people, especially here in the States, don't understand the gravity. Could you help people out there who are like, I don't even understand children, sex trafficking. I don't even get how big a deal this is both around the world, but also even in our own country. Could you kind of help people understand, paint a picture of the issue at hand? Yeah, there's,
6: I believe the statistic is, is 1.8 million Mm. children trafficked every year. Mm. Um, And, and that goes down even to, to infants, to babies. Um, It's there's gateway, you know, there's gateway cities in the world where it seems even more prolific, but it happens even in America. Uh, there's trafficking that happens here as well. It's not just overseas. Um, but what we have done so far in the ministry is we've targeted the gateway cities. So we've targeted the gateway city in India, in Thailand, in Mexico, in Philippines. These are, are places where the level of it is just astronomical. Mm-hmm. So um, it is a very severe situation. There's, there's, there's a deep darkness out there. And, and for me, and I, and I believe, you know, Jesus even said, he said, you know, it's better for you that a millstone is hung around your neck and you're thrown into the ocean rather than hurting one of these little ones. Right. And, and I know to the heart of God, it's one of the most important things in his heart, for the innocence of a child. Yeah. So it is, it's a global, it's a global situation. It really is. And, you know, years ago, even before we, did our first home, the Lord spoke to me in prayer and he said, I'm about to shine a spotlight on this situation because back then you didn't hear about it at all. Hmm. No one spoke about it. And and it was probably maybe a year or about a year after God spoke that to me, you started to hear it on talk shows. You started to hear it come out into the open wow. and it started to get exposed. And now, um, you know, people have definitely grown in awareness of it uh but i think we we just need to realize that this is really happening and this is a this is a situation and god can even bring and i tell you what if god can bring healing and breakthrough in the lives of these children no matter what our listeners are are facing today, God can heal them and restore them. It's like there's nothing that God can't heal. That's right. There's nothing he can't do. That's right.
1: Matt, where can our listeners find more about you, hear your words, find out about your books? Where can they connect with you?
6: Yeah, I'd love to connect more with folks. Um, They could visit my website at mattsorger.com, M A T T S-O-R-G-E-R dot com. Um, our, our rescue website is Rescue One, the number one now, rescue onenow.com. Uh, we also have a uh, great phone app um, that gives tons of teaching videos and we have a free audio Bible on there and our podcast is on there. So they could just go to their their app store and search for my name, Matt Sorger or Matt Sorger Ministries. And they could get our phone app for free and get a free audio Bible and um, also just receive more of our teachings that we do.
0: Great. Again, the book's title is God's Unstoppable Breakthrough. When your mountain doesn't move, go over it. That author is Matt Sorger. Matt, it's great to meet you. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Yeah, Brian. It was great to be here with you guys. Absolutely. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Really been an enjoyable show today. Uh, you uh, sent an article my way, kind of an idea about somebody who died uh, recently, who not a lot of people know about. And and I kind of said, well, I'm kind of uh, – I tend to know these people, but I never heard of this person. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of emblematic of like, OK, this person you're saying needs to be known. And I'm going, hey, I'm kind of steeped in the church and doing a show. I didn't hear about this. I didn't know who this person was. So this person's name is Mar- was Marva Dawn uh, at Christianity Day. They did a tribute to her calling her a saint of modern worship. Why don't you give us your thoughts on Marvadon and why you feel like it's important for people to know who this person was and to remember her?
1: Yeah, I mean, Marvadon really is a theologian in her own right. She, years ago, I was introduced to her when I first began um, doing youth ministry. So this is about 20 years ago. She wrote a book called. Talking the Walk, a book on preaching. And one, it was one of the first books by a female theologian that I read. And so I was just blown away by her commitment to preaching the word of God. But then since then, she has written, I mean, I think over 12 books. One is called Truly the Community, which is really a call to the church to be who the church is meant to be in Jesus. And then the other thing is that... um, Marvadon struggled with a lot of health issues. Hmm. And so for the um kind of for the physically ill community, for anyone who struggles with like, I mean, for me, I have an autoimmune disease. So a lot of her words were really prophetic in my own life. She just writes about joy in the middle of struggle and pain. She writes a lot about the hilarity of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to have joy. She writes about wholeness, and she really writes a lot about worship. In fact, I want to play you a little clip. She has a great book called uh, Worship. It's about worship. It's called Royal Waste of Time, (laughs) which sounds really funny, but here she is explaining part of the title
5: of her book. Worship is not for us. Worship is for God, and God is is the leader of worship. God is the host of worship. God is the high priest of worship. God is the center of attention and the focus at all times. Um, So that's why the word royal, um, we need to remember that it is for God so that we don't get self-centered and say, well, what do I get out of worship? That's not what's important. The importance is what God gives us And God gives us especially God's grace. We don't watch our watches. We don't concentrate on how many minutes have gone past so that uh, when a worship planner has to plan it so that it stops within an hour so everybody can be on their way home. Um, We don't consider what time is used. In fact, wouldn't it be wonderful if we lived in West Africa and could spend all day worshiping. When I say that, people go, oh no, that would be awful. And I think it would be wonderful if we could sing and praise God all day long and hear God's word and bring everybody to prayer with prayer. Um, there's so many things that we need to pray about these days. So
1: again, that's Marva Dawn just calling the church to a higher form of worship, that we need to get back to worshiping God as our king and 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 really, um... Lavishly worshiping God, but here's the thing that's interesting, Brian. You said you didn't know who she was, Mm-mm. and a lot of people don't know she even died last month. Mm-mm. And I think that's actually the beauty of Marvadon. Hmm. She's very influential um, in a lot of uh, like academic institutions. Students are reading her work, but she's not this Christian celebrity. She's just right. like this faithful seven year old woman loving Jesus. And so her death happened, and a lot of people didn't even know.
0: That's awesome. That's that's absolutely true. When when you said this to me, I go, man, this is an impressive person, mm-hmm. like you said, who wrote extensively. And like you said, I probably have read some of her stuff along the yeah. way. Uh, but Not only did I not know she'd passed away. If I'm being bluntly honest, I had no idea that who she was. Like I never even really heard the name. That to the point that it stuck in my mind.
1: And you've probably been influenced by her. Like she talks a lot about like the narcissistic individual at the center of our worship experiences. How they need to be torn down. She talks about finding worship practices that invite the boomer generation, like to get away from their self-absorption. Like she's really prophetic, but. but just not a celebrity. Like she really practiced what she preached. So I think the question really from her life is, I mean, let's remember her by her book. She was an incredible, incredible resource to the church, but also what does it mean to live a life that isn't celebrity, Mm -hmm. but still, Mm -hmm. but still be really influential.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, she talked a lot about worship. She said, uh, uh, Dawn sought to cut through the purpose of worship itself, which she described as an encounter with a transcendent and a living God. Uh, she said traditionalists could miss the point by idolizing their traditions. Advocates for contemporary worship could miss the point by centering the indiv- on the individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she really pounded home, what's the point of worship? And she said... All too often, we think uncritically about it when we make these changes, like it's just change for the sake of change or for aesthetic purposes, uh, stylistic purposes. And she wanted to really call the church to think critically about why are we making these changes? What are we doing in worship? What's the point of worship? But I also love that point you made. like we often remember the celebrities and sometimes right. people are Christian celebrities. I'm using air quotes for good reasons, right? Yes. Because they've made such an impact, but sometimes people are Christian celebrities for all the wrong reasons, but right. we still spend time talking about them and remembering them. And this appears to be Marva Dawn, a life really well lived yeah. a life, a long obedience in the same direction. That's right. A, 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 uh, she spoke a prophetic word to the church and a, 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 a word to the church that said, I want us to get this right. She lived out her life running the race well and then passed away pretty quietly in ways that most people don't know. And Aubrey, that's just the way most of us live our lives, right? I mean,
1: isn't that true? That's, that's like true for most faithful Christians. They're just not at the center of social media celebration or whatever.
0: Right. Like uh, somebody famously said, preach the gospel and then be forgotten, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the purpose of life. Oh, I've that's said, so good. It's the Eugene Peterson, a long obedience in the same direction. And I don't think the end goal, and this is kind of where we wanted to end today. The end goal is not to be famous. Yeah. Right, the end goal is not to be known. You might that's become right. famous, you might become known, uh, but that's not the purpose of preaching, of writing books, of whatever else it might be. The purpose is: how do I live faithfully to uh, the task that God has called me to? How do I live faithfully, following after Jesus? Mm-hmm what difference will that make then as I'm living in that way? And Mm -hmm. if I'm remembered, I'm remembered. If not, if not, then so be it. But I do think it becomes incumbent on people like us to go, let's remember people for the right reason. And I think that's why it's good to remember her today.
1: Yeah, she. um, (laughs) There's one other quick story that is told about Marva Dawn that I think we can all learn from and appreciate, okay? She said that um, if you're in a church service and you love every third song, that's how it should be, because, <laughs> because it's not about your own preferences. It's about knowing one another's stories, right? And so celebrating different songs that other people like in churches. And that's the life she lived, putting other people first. It's a great example for all of us to live a quiet, faithful life where Jesus's name is being mm. raised higher than our own name.
0: Yeah. So a good way to remember her is go Google the name Marva Dawn. Give her some reading. Uh, just kind of uh, understand who she was and how she lived her life. I think it is a life worth celebrating. Well, we're glad that you joined us today. If you missed any of the show, go on and get the podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe, rate, review. You can catch up on anything that you missed. We're excited to be with you tomorrow as we close out the week. For Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.